Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 212, episode one of The Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. It is season 212, Where the Players Dwell, and this is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It's Monday, November 22nd, 2021 which is, of course, National Cranberry Relish Day for everybody getting ready for the Thanksgiving. Does cranberry relish, like, tie in just, like, cran sauce, cranberries, all that shit? I, you know, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm guessing, but I, I wish I cared enough. I don't like cranberry sauce. Like, it's one of the things I don't mess with at Thanksgiving, so mm. I have very low, uh, not much interest. Yeah. But I'm guessing it's like the fancy kind that's not in a can because the can feels like jelly. But then when you're like cooking yeah. yourself with cranberries and you got like some real cranberry fruit meat in there, then mm. then you're in relish town. Yeah, yeah. I relish a good log of cranberry gel. <laughs> Used to love that shit. Just put it on a deli slicer. There just you like, go. Mm, it's real. <laughs> just window pane thin. Yeah. Uh, well, my name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Hey, I just met you. This might seem shady, but here's my podcast. Come guest it, maybe. It makes me tired. We drop twice daily, but here's oh, yeah. my podcast. Come guest it, maybe. Uh, that is courtesy of Johnny Davis. I don't know how he found out how I reach out to every one of our guests, but that is, in fact, I just reach yeah. out to them and send them a, a voice memo. One of the few times I use a voice memo. I'm just. Uh, anyways, I also don't know why it seems shady to ask somebody to be on a podcast. But eh, these days, who knows? Yeah, these days. Am I right? Anyways, I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. Hey, it's Miles Gray. Don't have much of an AKA except for the tra- traditional one, which is it's North Hollywood's very own Black and Knees experimental visual artist. You know me as your boy, Kusama. Yeah, Thank yeah. you for having me. Well, Miles, we're thrilled to be joined in our third seat by a very funny comedian and reporter who, as a lifestyle journalist, flew across the country to be snubbed by Kim Kardashian oh. and locked herself inside the Mall of America. But these days, her beat is Disney and everything theme parks. Hey. And her writing has appeared in Vanity Fair, GQ, Wirecutter, Bloomberg, Glamour, Heard Time, Vox. Heard of those. Just all the, all the ones. Her podcast, very amusing about theme parks, is super fun. Please welcome the brilliant and talented Carly Wiesel. Hello, 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 hello. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, thank yeah. you for being here. Where, where are you? Where, where on earth are you uh, coming to us from? Currently, West Hollywood. Oh, okay, shit. all right. So I thought you were going to be inside, town. like uh, the Magic Castle or whatever. I mean, I was oh, inside yeah. the Star Wars hotel about four days ago, but oh, you went? Yeah. Oh, yeah. what was it like? It was what interesting. Was it like, Carly? We got a very early preview of it, but mm-hmm. I've never been so excited to not see the sun. If right. you know wow, what I mean. right, like, right, right. Yeah. I just want to be all in there for a, like a day and a half straight, just soaking it up. Oh, mm. man. Why do you not see the sun? And by the way, this does tie back to the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, thing because we are saying not see, but. Right. Why, why do you not see the sun while you are in the uh, Star Wars hotel? Uh, because every window looks out onto space. Yeah. What? It's yeah. a projection. Yeah. So like you're huh? looking at a ship. Yeah. It opens I mean, March 1st and we got to see the cabins or like, you know, each hotel room, which I was right. very excited to see in real life. And the window is truly like just out onto space and it changes throughout the day. And then at night you push a button and a little cover goes up like you're really on a ship and you can sleep in oh. a top bunk. I'm very yeah. excited about it. That's yeah. so cool. 
that's like as I, we were talking about regressing the other day and i'm like that's the only thing i can do right now is like i want to put on a costume and pretend i'm a space worker for however expensive those rooms are at the moment but oh yeah you know what? i'll save my money to do it right is the experience they're replicating the experience of being on the death star what are we what are we looking at here so unfortunately not <laughs> Yes and no. So the official experience is called Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. It's a two-night mix of hotel stay, immersive theater, interactive gameplay, etc. Mm. And mm. It, there's a narrative throughout the journey or your hotel stay. And at the end, there is a finale that involves the First Order. So anything could happen. But there is... I did spend part of it in the gameplay training at the bridge. And I got to attack some TIE fighters, which was very fun. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Damn. All right. Well, we are going to get to know you a little bit better. Just the coolest beat that uh, someone could have. So, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But first, a few of the things we're talking about. America is still a white supremacist, violent shitscape, which we learned on Friday morning. <laughs> I've learned for many years. Yeah. <laughs> reminded we again. Relearned, reminded yeah, Friday yeah, morning. Yeah. We'll look at where we're at with the uh, defund the police movement and just what the alternatives are to that. Uh, we will talk about a new theme park that Carly, I'm guessing you will not be going to and like getting an early look at, but I could I could be wrong about that. It's called The Rig. Oh, wait till you hear all about it. Uh, oh, it's in Saudi Arabia. It's part of Saudi Arabia's rebranding effort. Yeah. Which is fun. Before we get to any of that shit, Carly, we do like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history? So related, all of it was Star Wars terms that I was spell checking, except for who is that defense attorney on SVU? I don't know why I thought Google would know which one I was talking about, but I have been I mean, I've been mainlining Law and Order SVU for the past two ish weeks to the okay. point where I will watch anywhere between four and ten episodes a day. I can't get enough. Wow! I know I'd never really seen it. I thought I didn't like violence. Apparently, I do only when Mariska Hargitay is there. It's right. basically like my my new personality, hobby, and job all in one. Damn. Yeah. So are are you late to the SVU part? I feel like SVU is is. Have you always been messing with SVU? No, I'm just... literally 500 episodes late. I don't know what happened. Wow. Yeah. Because I feel like that. It's interesting to hear people like I'm just getting into SVU, where most people are like, man, I like SVU has been uh, my number one forever that I don't talk about. But I know. yeah, I think part of it might be because lately when you binge watch a show, if they dump the whole thing at once, you know, yeah. you spend a Saturday night and then it's over. This never ends. It's right, bottomless. Right. And I just keep right. going and going and going. And I'm I'm still like seasons away. It's still in the modern era of it where right, there, right. there's just I can't I can't stop consuming it. Stop. Have you been to the immersive SVU experience at Six Flags? <laughs> I honestly don't know if that's a joke or not. If it it's real, I'm going to. No, no <laughs> Part oh, of God, me was like, is it a <laughs> walkthrough? <laughs> right. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, Check I can see that actually scene. like a crime scene. Yeah. That would be... I just want to go in their office. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. It feels like an installation you'd have at like a Halloween horror nights or something. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, do a crime scene with the people at SVU or like CSI or some shit like that. But yeah. no, guess not. Oh, I wish. Oh, how I wish. <laughs> I also love though too. I mean, I've I I've watched it here and there, but never, you know, to the point where, you know, they're definitely fans of the show. 
But I also like the idea of, you know, when you get into a show, you're like, I like this show. And you're like, there's only three seasons. Whereas you're looking at it, you're like, there's hundreds of episodes that I've yet to even begun to experience. So let this long may it last for you. Thank you. I know there's definitely some deep-seated psychological reason where I'm like, it'll never run out. It'll never abandon me like my other favorite shows. But at least for now, I, I just love it because... In every episode, there's about 30 seconds where they reference being actual people that exist in New York City. Well, they'll like get a coffee at a coffee cart or they'll be like, come on, we'll go make dinner. And I think I'm just living for that. Like the moments in my brain that I can piece together to make a sort of SVU sitcom. I think that's really where where the joy lies. (laughs) You're like, that's that's the best part of the show. Yeah. Yeah. I have some SVU slash fic that I can send your way. It's but it's all just about them living very boring, ordinary lives in between the crimes. It's like kind of what I want. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, yeah, they're like roommates. They have a lot. They could be talking about the most interesting stuff when they get home. Like what happened at work today? And it's like nothing. Yeah. Like you want to watch Lost or something? They're like, yeah, okay. It's called SVU Days Off. (laughs) <laughs> and it's just their days off going to the Met. They're like, actually, if you treat New York like you're a tourist in your own town, it's really nice. <laughs> we should try that halal guy's cart, huh? <laughs> what uh, What's something you think is overrated? Okay, I don't know if this technically counts, but only having trees in your house during Christmas. So as as a Jewish person, I did not know until our year 2020 that you have to keep them in water to keep them alive. I didn't realize there was this whole gambit happening where you take a tree and it's slowly dying and then you put it mm-hmm. in your house. And I kind of want, I want to be in this. I want a fresh tree in my home and it's only appropriate during Christmas time. Why not year round? I yeah. want a home forest. Yeah. yeah. Like oh, a home forest. Okay, yeah. so multiples. Like if I'm allowed to buy flowers, why can't I buy a tree in March just to make things feel more outdoorsy? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I man, it's I I love a Christmas tree, and I've always been. I only recently switched to the fake ones to reuse every year because I am also like a big like symmetry shape kind of fanatic. So when I go to the tree lot and I'm like a hundred dollars for this lopsided mess out of here, (laughs) and then you're like, oh, this one is the same height just because it looks better is fifty dollars more. This is nonsense. But I've moved to the fake tree version, but I there's something about having the real life tree that it's there's like there are scent sickles and things you can hang off a fake tree to make it sort of smell like you have the real thing. But having the real thing is definitely a it's a journey. But also like the when the needles start coming off and then you're like, I got this old dead tree I got to deal with. There's I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place with trees, but I love the idea. Yeah. And by the by the end of the holiday season, I've yet to figure out. I think I did like have something I did wrong last year that if I was a better host, I would remember and tell people to avoid doing that this year. But like it basically I sealed off the bottom of the tree. So even though it was in water, it just immediately became like the most brittle thing in the world. And, you know, a like I probably would have been find by the the LA fire department if they had like known how dry the tree was that we were keeping in our house. The one time we tried to do the fake tree, the smell sickles, the scent sickles Mm -hmm. weren't great. Have they improved that? I mean, Anna has, she, she has like a fake tree she uses. So she, she got me using them and they're fine. 
They're right. like, okay, but you know what it is. Nothing compares to the rest. Sorry, what's a scent-sickle? A scent-sickle is like a little thing you can hang off your fake tree that's like an odor. It's like a fucking tree freshener, basically. Yeah. So it's just, em- you know, it's just emitting this scent of real pine tree for your fake, for the fake tree havers out there. Mm. I mean, is everyone bad at marketing? Like, why isn't there a cherry blossom season version of this? Why, why can't I yeah, have no, a tree in my house? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, actually, right. Because you, you're saying you would even just love just ambiently that smell of nature just rushing through the house. Yeah. And it's apparently like only appropriate if you celebrate a certain holiday. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Right. I see. Let's bring. Yes. Let's bring the trees back into the home. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Now, it, do, does anybody like put keep the tree alive? Like the Christmas tree, I guess it would have to be like a small Christmas tree, right? To like have have it potted, essentially. Yeah, I mean, without roots, I mean, the right. jig is up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as I found out as a kid, I was like, "No, let's put water in it," and then it's just like, "No, sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's not going to live for that long." Yeah. What is something you think is underrated? I feel very strongly about this, and I don't know why lately it's really risen up as a topic for me. But indoor pools. I love an indoor mm. pool and everyone thinks they're gross. But do you know how nice it would be to just have one in the winter and have a pool party or just be able to like go down a slide in the middle of the workday without leaving your house? I right. I love them and I wish people built them more. I wish it was more of a normal thing you could go, go and do. Yeah. I feel like in Florida and stuff, people have like it's normal there. I've seen yeah, that. Yeah, they're or, like, screened be... in kind of, but it's right, always, right, right. I mean, weather wise, it's almost always a hellscape in Florida. So you don't really get that. You know, yeah. secret indoor winter swim. People, t- I mean, weren't we, when we stayed in Atlanta, Jack, like a couple of years ago, didn't, wasn't there an indoor pool at that hotel we were at? Oh, yeah. It was like a courtyard Marriott with the courtyard like had pool. a, yeah, was like the centerpiece of the hotel was an indoor yeah. pool. It's weird that you say like people think it's gross because I'm like, yeah, maybe. But I'm like, no, I don't think it, that it's gross. I think it's just like when you're in there, you just smell all the chlorine inside and then you just feel like you're in like a like a YMCA or something. And yeah. what's but, wrong with that? No, no. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know if it's necessarily dirty. I mean, it's the same chemicals in there. It's just that there's no open air. So I guess yeah. that's what gets people It's just going. a very specific smell that I associate with old men's balls because that's typically what I had just seen anytime I smelled <laughs> right, it. The locker room, right, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, just that, like, when, when you go from the locker room, which has very specific, like, scent, to you open the door and, like, all that hot pool air hits you in the face. Yeah. That yeah. is, yeah, that is locked in to the deepest parts of my brain. <laughs> I do. I agree with you. I love an indoor pool. I don't know, like, I don't know how feasible they are in homes, but I do love a, a, pool, a, a hotel with an indoor pool. Like there was a community center at the University of Missouri when my wife and I lived there that had like just a wild like indoor pool complex that I would just go hang out at like I was like a kid at a water park, you know? Yeah, it was great. There was a in Japan, in Tokyo, they have a or used to have it. I think it was called Wild Blue and it was an indoor water park with a wave pool and shit, which is wild because like in the summer, Japan gets like plenty hot that you don't need to indoorify fucking shit but this was like one of those again it was so big it still also just had that that distinct smell of chlorine Mm. emanating throughout yeah i don't know why yeah i'm I'm, I'm back on board with indoor everything thank you i mean we have tons of indoor water parks in america which i go to a lot which i get some grief for oh really which ones 
Oh, there. Well, for my birthday, I went to New York and I went to the DreamWorks water park, which is a American dream that uh, formerly known as Xanadu, if anybody is of my age. It's this mall that was just kind of cursed forever. And now it's actually open. And they have this huge this huge Shrek balloon in the middle and Shrek themed water slides. And oh, I, I, yeah, I do a month long podcast dedication to Shrek called Shrek Ember because he is arguably Jewish and we need more Jewish characters in the theme parks. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going all in on Shrek celebrating Hanukkah and praying for Wait, it. Wait, Shrek is tribe. Yes, <laughs> because Shrek is a Yiddish word and it's, it's based on a book by this guy, William Steig. And it's kind of an allegory for, like Jews in the, I believe the 1800s, his parents are immigrants. Like there's a lot of evidence wow. that this dude should be lighting a menorah and yet he yeah. doesn't. So for research, quote unquote, I I went to the indoor Shrek water park and I had a blast. It was great. Okay. Wow. Yeah. What's the best indoor water park in America? That, like as, as the expert on the subject. Yeah, give us okay. something to aspire to. So it's to. less a specific water park. It's more a city. I would oh, go to shit. Wisconsin Dells, which is my favorite place on the planet, save for mm. Tokyo, probably. And it is essentially Vegas for children. And there are maybe half a dozen hotels there that have indoor water parks. There's one called Wilderness, which has multiple. They have swim up bars that, you know, wintertime in Wisconsin, it is cold. And so right. you can swim up to a bar and have a drink. And then they have a hot tub where you can go indoor outdoor. So you can go outside for a second and come back in just like mm. a doggy door, but for humans while in water and they have a ton of slides there's also a place called kalahari uh it's just it's endless if you want to go on a water slide in winter wisconsin dells is the spot wow oh wow. i didn't even realize like yeah when you search it it's like the th whole map like lights up with water parks yeah <laughs> clearly okay. that's where i spent my formative years right so. yeah wow um, oh so did you so you grew up in wisconsin i grew up in chicago but when you're landlocked yeah, Instead yeah. of, you know, flying to a coast, it's like, let's drive two hours to this weird children's paradise. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. That sounds awesome. <laughs> uh, Super producer Justin, also from Chicago, uh, has several memories from the Dells. Uh, Great Wolf Lodge. Yeah. He says one of his best memories. But that that's interesting. I want like, do you think growing up within driving distance of a place like that kind of sent you down this path of being a theme park enthusiast, nay, a journalist? It's interesting because I, I got my start reporting on theme parks when I went. So I went to Disney World for my bachelorette party, which was about seven years ago. And the oh, reason wow. I went to Disney World was because I decided there wasn't enough to do in Wisconsin in February. Right. So <laughs> because I love Wisconsin Dells so much, that's the only reason I wound up wow. at Disney World. And now <laughs> this is my whole life is wow. reporting on Disney. So it, I think the seeds were always there. I'm just, you know, I just like to have a good time. I like to be entertained. I like to eat really shitty nachos. Like I just oh, want yeah, yeah. cheese sauce and water slides and to run around until I'm exhausted. And right. there mm. are a few places in the world that allow you to do that. And wipe nacho cheese on your bathing suit. And be like, oh, it's going to be clean because I'm about dream. to just go on this slide. And it's going to be fucking gone by the time I'm at the bottom. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back and I'll talk more about Wisconsin, unfortunately.
And we're back. Uh, and like we said up top, America still a white supremacist, violent shitscape. You know, we had a, a sense that Rittenhouse was going to be found not guilty, but it doesn't Based feel Based on like... years of uh, yeah. <laughs> just observing the American legal system, sadly. Yeah, but it didn't feel any less like a you know sickening gut punch to hear them read not guilty five times as this little pig-faced Nazi youth sits there and, like, pretends to faint. But, yeah, I mean, these are American values. Like, if you needed any evidence that we should be fighting to teach critical race theory as hard as they're fighting against it, like, here you go. Mm -hmm. American police started as a slave patrol, but you don't need to see that they have roots in white supremacist vigilante violence because we still allow white supremacist vigilantes to just like police and ultimately murder people in the interest of that ideology. So, yeah. I mean, this is, you know, this is a, a turning point for sure, because you're now we've legally essentially set a precedent that you can bring, you can bring a weapon with you in a situation where you're there to like protect whatever, but property, not, even protect if, property. Yeah, even if you cause a commotion by being armed, you are then now it's legal for you to defend yourself, even though you've come with provocation in mind. Right. And I think that's a that's going to create a huge chilling factor for people when they want to go protest. It's some people think it's something people will have to consider now when they're in the streets protesting, because now you have said, you know, legally, yeah, if you feel scared enough, then go ahead, start clapping and, you know, maybe you'll get off based on the complexion of your skin. And, you know, there's a lot of things we're seeing, too. This is now sort of like more and more you're moving into that phase where the right wing violence is now sort of blending more and more with law enforcement and sort of not understanding where the lines are with who is going to enforce what anymore. Because we're, we're damn sure seeing what the police will turn their head and look away from and allow to happen. But we're now like fully, it seems like more and more we're going to be seeing this, you know, connection between the, pol the police and and sort of outsourcing the violence to these other people now, because it yeah. used to be the police that were sort of the ones on the front sort of brutalizing protesters. But vigilantes can now act as their agents. Yeah. He was pictured with a bunch of Nazis, like giving the thumbs up and celebrating in between, like when he was leading up to trial, uh, Black Rifle Coffee was like, we're not associated with him. Black Rifle Coffee, which is itself like a right wing gun coffee company yeah. was like hey don't <laughs> don't be wearing iron we didn't give him any of that shit don't 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 mind us but you know a lot of people are point rightly pointing to the contrast between how the police treat unarmed black children versus how they treated a armed with an assault rifle white kid who had just murdered two people another instructive comparison is the story of the not fucking around coalition which is an armed group that is dedicated to protecting black lives from police brutality. Just the idea of arming black citizens who, by the way, have way more reason to need to be armed for like self-defense and preservation of life than Kyle Rittenhouse, who was avowedly there to protect property. He was there to protect like looting or whatever the fucking yeah, inanimate you know, objects. Yeah. Whatever their fantasy is. But they, you know, since kind of coming together during the Black Lives Matter movement of 2020. The Not Fucking Around Coalition has been targeted as an extremist group. 
Their leader has been arrested and charged with pointing a gun at police, for which he faces three to 27 years in prison. He's currently not allowed to possess a gun or access social media while he awaits trial because these are American values. This isn't like that's what's so enraging about this is that was the point. The point of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial was getting him to like be buddy buddy with the judge so everybody could see that to see like, no, this is what we condone. And like the, yeah. this other thing is what we don't condone. The, I mean, more more than that, I think the verdict, you know, because I see a lot, I mean, on the right, people are like, Where, where's Black Lives Matter here at this thing? It's white people that got killed by Kyle Rittenhouse. And like, they're like, this is the thing you don't understand, that this person was there in service of white supremacy. Right. And the, what this verdict is really saying, it, it's, it's, it's trying to erode solidarity, you know, because a lot of people began to understand, not not enough, but many people in this country said, you know what? Yeah, this is bad. And I should actually stand, you know, with these people who are oppressed and use my privilege as a way to maybe try and change things, maybe better things. And I would like to be an ally to this movement. But what this is showing you, too, is it's showing that even for white people who are considering allyship, that your whiteness will not protect you if you are standing in direct opposition to white supremacy, because at that point, you it's your your life is just as disposable as a person of colors. And for many people looking at this, it's just it. I can only imagine what what kind of what the subtext or what how other people are reading into it. But from my perspective, it's clear to see that this is definitely made to also send a warning shot across people who are saying, you know what, if you're on that side, just so you know, it's the the rules will be different. Yeah. And you know and and again this legal system has done its job because just like we said in 2020 that summer, right? White supremacy is a living organism that has to survive no matter what. It finds ways to survive. It's not just simply saying like, "All right, we've legislated against it, it's over." Because the second there's mass public action that is kind of showing up and brewing against it, it's going to find these ways to reinforce the message that these public actions are not powerful enough to topple this because inherent to all of this is a legal system that is meant to justify and rationalize all of this violence and using its perceived impartiality as a legal system, quote unquote, to again say, no, 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 there's ways that we can make this work, especially if, like Kyle Rittenhouse, you're there in service of white supremacy or property rights or however somebody wants to spin it. Yeah. And so, I mean... This is especially frustrating because it seems like, you know, at the moment, the defund the police movement has been losing popularity. They lost a big battle in Minneapolis where they voted to keep the existing police force. And as we talked about last month, there's sort of a mainstream narrative that is tying the rise in violent crime and murder to police defunding, even though nobody actually defunded the police to a degree that they were like crippled. And what happened is police budgets got minor cuts from absurd heights. Well, they got three less bazookas. Than right. <laughs> and, you know, that kept them from being armed like Navy SEALs to police their communities. And the main thing that happened was the police basically quit on their communities for daring to criticize them. And I also think there's probably 
a breakdown in the public trust in police as it's revealed that police are both, you know, continuing to be armed, willing to use uh, deadly force and extremely bad at their job. So I, I don't think that's helpful. But the solutions seem to be defund the police, which was interpreted by the mainstream media as like, take police the police away. <laughs> yeah, police gone forever. And nine one one won't work anymore. Yeah. And then double down on a system of militarized Foucault boomeranged police force that like is just basically occupying forces being in American cities and in neighborhoods that they don't live in, but that are in American cities and where they are willing to use deadly force like that's being treated as like, well, it's either no police or we keep doubling down on this fucking nightmare scenario. So I did just want to like take a second to like check in with what defunding the police could actually look like. A lot of people are treating it like it's a branding thing. And I don't know, like that's super I think frustrating. It I mean, it's not that it's a branding thing, but people, Americans, again, because of the amount of propaganda we consume throughout our lifetimes, we're, we're, we're just still so invested in these cruel systems. Right. And we're at this point where we can acknowledge the cruelty of the systems, but not quite able to articulate the way past it or through it. You know, like everyone goes, damn, man, shit, this seems bad. Like even especially as it relates to that right now to like labor, right? Everyone's like, man, this is fucked up. Like people are just like, yeah, now that I think about it, this is fucked up. Yeah. But we're sort of, because there's so much other messaging that is going to, you know, keep away things like giving people the imagination on how to make something better for themselves, whether that's to through collective bargaining or through withhold, you know, like because now people are organically withholding their labor. There's just there's a difficulty in articulating to say, yes, this is fucked up. The thing we need to do is X. Right. We're just not there's not enough Americans who are able to get to that part. Many people are just at the part who are like, yes, this is fucked up. You're right. This is fucked up. The police just I'm actually just realized. Yeah, it does seem like the police just go after people of color and they're not punished for it because we have things like qualified immunity. That's fucked up. Now what? And I yeah. think the first thing that people that was brought to the the table in terms of like the vocabulary to use was defund the police because that was more acknowledging the fact, the injustice of what our law enforcement system is like, that right. this cannot, we cannot abide anymore. And because it was co-opted to just mean the end of all public safety, that immediately just put a chilling effect on things. And people were unable to, again, we need to be able to pivot to, yes, it's fucked up and we need to move towards this. Yes. And if we're always stuck at things are fucked up, it's very hard to begin organizing around certain things. And, and like you're saying, you have some people who are really talking about completely changing what it means to have like law enforcement and what public safety is and the the people who can be involved or the specialties that we need for that. But I don't know. I feel like everything kind of keeps evolving in this way that it's it's just become very difficult to kind of escape or not escape, but to to keep telling people that it's not merely just saying the end of your safety. Right. That we have to actually there are other ways to keep people safe. and. It, on paper, the cops aren't doing a good job. Right. Yeah. I think it has to be compounded by the fact, too, that it lately it feels like every sphere of society is just fucked. Just everything. Mm -hmm. Especially that we are we're still in a pandemic 
it doesn't seem like it's ending anytime soon. I read something that there's another strain coming. Like, we're just in this. And you can't even count on someone to wear a mask to try not to actively kill you to get a vaccine for the better of the community. It just seems like there's such a divide in in such a, a deep, deep way that it really is everything that needs to change requires teamwork. And there's so many people who just don't give a shit that it feels like a at times like an impossible mountain to climb. Yeah. yeah. And I think and that's by design, too. You know, like I think to to help people feel so this sense of despair or like lack of control over anything can easily put, just put people into this new thing about saying, well, the solution isn't going to be how am I going to work with other people? The solution is fucking get your house in order and figure out how you're going to weather this without the help of anyone. Because I think that's the message that's reflected to people by society and the government at large, which is like, you're on your own, motherfucker. Yeah. Ain't nobody I feel helping like, you. Yeah, I feel like that's exactly, like, rather than, you know, being like, well, if only these people would vote for, like, what is good for them. Like, I feel like that's where a lot of it ends, is, like, these people are idiots. Like, I think a lot of the problems come from the fact that Everybody in America is existing in a society where if you don't have enough money, you that will let you die. Like that's mm -hmm. that's just like it's a cruel, cold fucking world. And it's also, you know, we're being stripped of our humanity by capitalism and by just like being, you know, turned into values on a on a spreadsheet. And I think that's like been a long, slow process and people are fucking beat down from it. So there's this Rice University article that kind of takes a look at where alternatives to policing should be focused. And the first category is health, you know, right. like mental health and drug abuse resources. The, the vast majority of patrol police, over 90 percent in Seattle, address multiple people in mental health crisis every month. Like that's that is the right. main thing. Like I I was dropping my kids off at school on Friday morning, drove past someone who's clearly in having a mental health crisis. And my only recourse, like, was to call 911, basically, or, like, stop and do something about it myself, because I don't know what, like, what are the mental health, like, authorities. And if I call... 911 for help a person who is scared is going to with a gun is going to show up like that's what the police have the ability to do is like use a gun right so that's and, how they solve the fucking problem yeah and you know this is like everything that the police are there for again they're there to clean up the failures of this capitalist system that we're in we have mental health problems because we will not take care of people with mental health problems. Right. We will not take care of people who need interventions for their drug abuse or need to go into a treatment program. So we allow that to fester and it turns into someone on the street acting out and people go, oh, my God, I can't. Oh, this person's doing something. I got to call the police to right. get them away from me. Right. When really that's because we failed to take care of somebody. You look again. We talk about crimes of desperation, survival crime, like yeah. theft and shoplifting and shit like that. That's not to, that's not because they're fucking Tony Soprano because they just they just stole a bunch of Enfamil. That's not what the fuck is going on. It's because people have been failed. People have we have failed to take care of each other. We have failed to create or provide sustenance or the materials needed to survive. So people are left to their own devices and have to go out and survive. 
And that's where the police come in because we've criminalized needing help. We've criminalized being vulnerable. We've criminalized being poor. And then, but what we've created, but we've completely obscured this dynamic through this lens of law enforcement and the good guys and the bad guys and this binary that that's all it is rather than no, 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 this is most of us are being brutalized by the same people and for the same reasons, because we're not getting what we need to survive. Yeah, I feel like so one one of the, you know, examples that we've talked about before on this show the Rice University article talks about is Cahoots, which is the cornily named Eugene, Oregon organization that started as just a thing to like help people who are having bad trips, essentially, and has developed into, you know, a very continually useful alternative to the police that can come and help somebody who is having a mental health crisis. And a lot of times their job is to just Be a person who can do whatever is required at the time. You don't need like special training. It just seems like there's so many fucking jobs that could be created by supplementing the police with people who don't fucking murder people. Like, like, how about how about we try that? Just create a police of people who actually live in the communities and are there to solve problems instead of like treat people like enemy combatants. Right. And, you know, there have been examples of this with people who are there to help with relationship crises, domestic violence, which, you know, a lot of times people who are engaging in domestic violence, you know, move on to other violent crimes. But it certainly doesn't help that the thing they're met with when they first engage with in domestic violence is somebody pointing a gun at them. And that's the only it's either like funneled towards prison or like figure it out yourself. You know, mm-hmm. no mental health resources, no, no relationship resources. And the other just community patrol in America has traditionally been fucking Kyle Rittenhouse and George Zimmerman and people like that, where, you know, people armed white people who are racist thinking that they need to, you know, just basically playing police officer. And right. like there's that needs to be supplemented with some, you know, the Black Panthers were there to police the police and they were treated like a, a violent fucking extremist organization, which is all you need to know about the difference in, in how America approaches these things. But that's another option that is probably the least tested, but the one that absolutely needs to be pursued more than it has to this point. Yeah. Uh, uh, just thinking about, you know, like, the whole thing the by America being so intentionally cruel and that's sort of like the the sort of foundation that like life is built on and keeping people most people you know like in a place where they feel like well I, my only thing that I have is to survive because I'm not looking at a I'm not looking at many things that will help me granted there are some there are social safety nets out there but in general the message is if you don't like if you don't have, then you will continue to lack and then you will expire. Yeah. And I think it puts people it helps always keep people divided because of that, because if you're always acknowledging that you're in this survival situation, altruism doesn't make sense all the time because yeah. you're already accepting that you're in a you're in a situation where surviving is number one. And if that's the case, it's 
you know, for lack of a better metaphor, it's like looking like the Squid Game Marbles episode where yeah. suddenly when it's time to survive, you'll do whatever the fuck you have to do. That's just human nature. Yeah. And and, it, and it's such a elegant way to continue to keep people from being able to group together, to organize together because we're too busy fucking dealing with the chaos of like the cruel reality that we're in all the time. Yeah. And I feel like the fact that there aren't all these jobs, like there, people recognize their com communities are fucked. They recognize that like there is work to be done there. The fact that those jobs aren't created yet, I feel like is like a hangover from a previous time when people like weren't, didn't give a fuck about their communities. And, you know, I don't know. Like it, it just feels like this is a problem that could be addressed if people just act locally and right. yeah, I don't know. There there are the people, there is the will to do things to help. I mean, most people were pro are probably better at I mean, I would say every person who lives in a neighborhood is will be better at policing their neighborhood than the fucking police. Yeah, that's because the thing with where yeah. you live, you know who the fuck you, you live with. You know who's in your community. Say, oh that person no, don't worry about them. They're kind of going through it. Yeah. That's I know them. There, there's more there's more context to who this person is rather than a 911 call saying someone is acting belligerent and is you know threatening people with a shopping cart or something because like you're saying we're people we're not we're, th things aren't of our communities anymore right and yeah i mean it's just i just think of how much even like where i grew up i knew so much about my neighborhood i knew so much about people who i saw i saw the same regular unhoused people all the time to the point where like i knew what the fuck they were like i like i knew what they were going to ask me for i knew what their whole rap was and it and you understand you're at that point, you actually have a better idea of like, what is a threat? What is a danger to to you, your safety or the community at large? But right. anyway, maybe we'll begin to have a reckoning one day in America. But mm. uh, we've been reckoning free since fucking whenever you want to put a date to it. Mm. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. And we're back, uh, and we just spent the break getting ourselves in the proper headspace for this conversation by watching a preview clip of The Rig, which yeah. is a oil rig in Saudi Arabia that has been converted into an amusement park. The trailer for it, I guess, was uh, you know set to thumping uh, EDM music. Yeah, and, um, it was intense. I don't know. Carly, you're the, you're the you're the expert here. What 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 are we looking at here? The... Uh, we're looking at the first ten minutes of a horror film for sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> Nothing good is happening there. And the thing is, there's this very fine line between theme park and amusement park, where theme parks are holistically designed to kind of transport you to another universe. You know, something like Fantasyland or Tomorrowland. It's supposed to bring in story and narrative and characters right. to really flesh out an experience beyond just sitting in a ride vehicle. Amusement parks are more focused on individual attractions. Sometimes they have theming, sometimes they don't. This, this is not a pleasing place to look at or visit. I don't care how long that water slide looks. I don't well, want to be right, anywhere yeah. near that nightmare dome. Like, it just looks bleak and sad and scary, and the setting just adds to the lore. I, 
I, yeah. I, hate, yeah. I hate it. I you hate look it. at an overhead shot of this and it looks like a amusement park from Waterworld. Like it looks right, like 100%. it's been built out of garbage that Dennis from Hopper a previous like, fallen society. <laughs> right. And and you all like you all pray to the guy who was the captain of the Exxon Valdez, yeah. like the smokers did in Waterworld. But yeah, and I just want to say this. You're right. It's not an amusement park or a theme park because as the Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund calls it, this is a quote a oil themed extreme park. I'm sorry, oil themed. Oil themed? Okay. Yes, this is in the press release. The rig will be an oil themed extreme park spanning a total area of more than 150,000 square meters and sitting atop a converted oil rig in the Arabian Gulf. And I'm just going to give just for people have a little more understanding of like what we're talking about here. So they've converted this rig, right, to have play host to extreme sports, helipads, quote, a range of adventurous activities. There'll be roller. There's a roller coaster we saw that was like built into the rigging, rigging. There'll be skydiving. There's three hotels with over 800 rooms, 11 restaurants and one that is under the water. Uh, uh, there's so many ways to <laughs> die here. Like, I don't, I don't know why this right. is appealing to anyone. Yeah, it's true. Like the way it looked, Jack, like you said, Waterworld, because it all has like that patina, like that sea rust yeah. like, look to it. Where I feel like, yo, the second you step on there, like you're getting tetanus. Right. Like, yeah. That's like th that just feels like the energy that's it like that it's emitting, even though it looks cool, I guess, to f uh, fix a Ferris wheel to the side of the fucking thing. The it's I am in on this, by the way. What? I want to go here. <laughs> this looks fucking cool as shit. He's booking. Look, they already paid. They already they they got to him. He's doing a, <laughs> a PR. He's doing a junket out there. It it looks terrifying, but like if you're going to go on a scary roller coaster, why not have it like weaving through the, you know, webbed like rebar of a dilapidated uh, oil rig that like is groaning under the weight of all this, of all these rides that they've put on it. Like, there's no way that thing is not making noises. No. This is like, yeah, just creaking. Yeah, right. The debut weekend, opening weekend, there'll be an accident. Right. This yeah. thing looks like the Santa Monica Pier in the year thirty thirty fifty. Like, it just yes. looks right. like this is the last thing you sea see level rise, before Earth right. ceases to exist. Right. And, like, it's just this weird mind. Like, just okay. Like, just looking at all the fucking layers of this whole thing, right? Because First, Saudi Arabia, just to get into it, their whole thing is right now they are trying to completely rebrand because they're trying Why, to get happened? away from they're trying to get away from headlines like Mohammed bin Salman is like killing children in Yemen or oh. extrajudicially like, assassinating people in foreign embassies to more stuff like, holy shit, Saudi Arabia built the coolest theme park. You know, like that is uh, there. It's all part of this sort of reputation washing scheme. That's been going on very aggressively the last 10 years, especially like now they just bought uh, Newcastle United, the football, the soccer team in, in the UK and caused a huge like people were like, what the fuck? We're, you're literally just going to allow the like Saudi Arabian government to just buy this like story team just to wash their reputation with like the glory that, you know, they'll bring with their money to this club. And then even like when Trump went into office, we knew about how like American media and David Pecker and those guys at the National Enquirer were like doing all kinds of like these slick like magazines out of nowhere about Mohammed bin Salman or being like, is Saudi Arabia the new Dubai? And you're like, huh? <laughs> is it? I feel like there were a bunch of influencers who went there too, either fashion or something along those lines where everyone's like, I'm sorry, what are you posting? Like right. they got flown there like, for oh, a fun little trip. Is this bad? Like, it's funny how those people were like, I didn't know. I just thought it was like Dubai. Know. It's like, also, don't go there. 
on a junket, please. Yeah. And I think so there's that, right? There's this reputation washing scheme, which this is all in service of because they want to become a new tourist destination by the by 2030. And then you have like the idea of like a decommissioned oil rig, which is like the source of all of like our earthly problems, like with mm. fossil fuel extraction. And then mapping on top of that, like a place to be like, hey, this old skeleton, that's the bygone thing that or I guess still the thing that's keeping us from protecting the earth. What if we put 11 restaurants on it and fucking 800, like again, oil themed. I'm sure I, I can't imagine if there's like an oil education section. Yeah, what is that going to be? What is an right. oil themed anything? Like the layers than... of propaganda are really, yeah. like, maybe that's every floor of the hotel. It's like a different, oh, yeah. different scheme. Maybe they'll have, uh, what's his name's character from There Will Be Blood as like one of the dress up characters. Oh, that, yeah. Who like will yell at you about drinking your milkshake. Uh, oh, dude, it'll be a thing. As It's a restaurant. Was it Daniel Plainview? Daniel Plainview. You can, yeah. you can, it's like, step right up and try and drink my milkshake, folks. <laughs> and like, all you try to drink from like a three, like a fucking 30 meter straw and be like, I, I can just see that kind of nonsense. Yeah. I mean, not to be like way too journalistic about this, but they are lacking an IP component. Because there are, there's, there's <laughs> right. no, like, if I'm looking at this very literally without all of the terrifying backstory, there are no characters that are familiar to people. There are no storylines. There's no movie tie-in there, except for when I looked it up, a movie called The Rig, which I think is a horror movie. There's nothing to actually draw this tourism that they are pulling out of nothing. So yeah. a lot of times with stuff, they release these renderings and they just take forever and the things fall apart. And I assume, I mean, they have money, so it could happen. But nobody is going to plan a trip around this because there's no hook beyond it being. I don't know if people have craved an oil themed experience. Mm. All but right, there's no. there's no there's no hook there. Devil's advocate, Jack, yeah. Let's, okay. Clearly, First we of all, found his audience. Okay, you know it's not oil's been bad, but they're turning that frown, the apocalypse, upside down <laughs> by by putting okay. smiles on people's faces on something that did uh, bring about the apocalypse. But like for now, it's lit. They're doing something with levels that I have not seen done. Like I've never seen a, you know, a roller coaster or a bunch of like water slides, like kind of going through buildings, which I think is like a cool like that. That's kind of hinted at by the park design. And that's not too new, though, <laughs> is it not? Uh, no, there's, there's there, there are definitely roller coasters that will go through structures that are like then that's kind of the appeal. Got there it. is a lot of intertwining here, but more in a way that makes me. Uneasy. Scared for this the structural significance of it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, no, this is a this is a total nightmare. But like, also, I don't know. Yeah, it's like the fire fest of theme parks, where it's like, like I'm not, I don't want to go, but like I I'm gonna be watching. Yeah, I want to hear I'm about watch it. the like, shit out of that opening total nightmare. I mean, it's weird because but... I pulled up a link about it, and it's this website, archpaper.com. And the text of it is, as noted by CNN, Saudi Arabia lacks the international tourism draw of some of its neighbors, due in part to the appalling Until history of now. humans' rights abuses <laughs> and strict restrictions placed on women. And you scroll up, and it's a screen grab of that promotional video with a girl in a tank top just screaming on a coaster. Yeah. And it's like, this right. is uh, discordant. This does not uh, work together. International waters. We loosen the rules over here in the sea. Anything goes on an oil rig, I suppose. Yeah, right. I don't know. Suddenly, like, and yeah, our strict repressive laws. Also, hey, we're not going to let that get in the way of tourism, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Believe us. 
I'd like to see that. And also, I don't know who this, like, again, I don't know how many people, if they're saying internationally, right, I'll speak very narrowly about the United States. What person in the U.S. is like, dude, I have been, I, you know what's been on my fucking list? Like, I know we've already, we went to, we went to Tokyo, we went to Iceland, (laughs) we went to Costa Rica, like, now we gotta go to the Arabian Gulf to fuck it, and then I wanna go to Riyadh, okay, because it's a popping over there. I just don't, again, like you're saying, the draw isn't clear, the value proposition isn't clear, aside from, I think, just to say that it's like the most extreme fucking thing, it's just, it's, it, it, it's, itself is a spectacle. Right. In all in all, it just seems joyless, which I don't think is the point of any of this. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, I guess, yeah, you can tell that it's like, no, this isn't who you yeah. are. Even like, the actors uh, in the video, the promotional video, seem like they are uh, acting like they're having fun at gunpoint. Like, they yeah. don't, they're like, yay! I love the rig. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get what it is, though, because I love an attraction on a cruise ship, like a roller coaster on a cruise ship. Yeah, sure, on a cruise yeah. ship. Uh-huh. Sign me the fuck up. But this, I hate it, even though it's it's essentially also on water, also an amusement. Something about it permanently being out there where you could truly fall to your death at any moment. It just right. doesn't sit right with it. It looks rusty yeah. as fuck. It looks it's yes. rusty as shit. You can Ricky. already see. Have you ever met somebody who you're like, oh, I know exactly what you're going to look like as an elderly person? Like, <laughs> do you know that? Oh, like, you're just yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I see the... I, I know where this is going. Yeah. Well, so, Miles, you you look like an old... No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, that's fine. I know. Uh, no. It, the baldness. Th- this looks like... I, I Looking at this, I can already see it in, like, a post-apocalyptic right. landscape. Like, that's what it's it looks in like. in Waterworld. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. I honestly... To your point about the IP, if this was branded as Waterworld, I'm fucking, somehow I'm suddenly like, oh, I love Mohammed bin Salman. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It would smooth it over a bit yeah, if I yeah. could have a jet yeah. ski and live my dreams. Yeah. yeah. And and already it's like fucked up and nightmarish because you're presupposing right. that the world has already collapsed due to climate Yo. change. And you're there to yuck it up with like the smokers and some guy speaking Portuguese Greek with webbed feet and gills behind his ears. Yeah. 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 I mean, it fits everything. Like one thing, one kind of dissonant aspect of the video, but not the most striking one, obviously, <laughs> is that they're scuba diving in it, which like, right. so it's like a theme park where you can go scuba diving underneath it, which who has not wanted to scuba dive around a fucking rusty oil rig? Right. But, you know, if it's Waterworld, that, that makes sense. Yeah. He could yeah. breathe and underwater. The, oh and this is so fucked up, but I think like you build like full scale because they have the money of like right. a city that has just been completely submerged by a sea level rise. And that's what you scuba dive through. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, that's a story. Show me my eventual fate, you know? Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. And then like somehow it's like acting as like a great inspiration for people like we have to get off fossil fuel, guys. Guys, this is a good spectacular idea. Water world there's got to be there's got to be like decommissioned oil rigs in America. We turn them into like future worlds, world. <laughs> yeah, actual future land. Like what now we're thinking like American like. business people, yes. baby. Yes, we got to do our own oil. We could get game. that IP for cheap. You know that we could actually have hair restoration uh, procedures out there. Since Kevin Costner, I guess most of that budget was spent on 
digitally redoing his hair. Yeah, because it didn't it didn't quite work Hmm. in the. Uh, Y'all know there's a a long running Waterworld show in Hollywood, right? Yeah, yeah. Studios. Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, the stunt show because it used to be the Miami Vice stunt show, which is funny because for that 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 Miami Vice stunt show went on for years past when anyone (laughs) gave a fuck about Miami Vice, and the same with the Waterworld thing too. Like, I I bet they're like generations of kids who go there like fuck is water world oh no. yeah it's been decades i believe just i mean right. it's a proven concept if we really want to sell it right yeah yeah that's true we com- so we somebody already has Comcast the IP. universal yeah mm-hmm. shit it's wild that they because nobody i went and saw water world i was excited about water world when it came out you know i was like a yeah. child i was like hell yeah man this is like probably where we're all headed and but i i remember like having the feeling that uh, this was like kind of cool, but nobody gives a shit enough about it to like play Waterworld ever. Right. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. It's Who a very holistic tie-in. The fact that you would go to an oil rig yeah, and if you enjoy right. yourself, be like, "Congrats, this is the future." If you continue to use oil, enjoy it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I kind of like be it. Clinging to oil rigs for your life. All right, Carly. We'll we'll wow. we'll talk offline. We're gonna make this happen. One hundred percent. Have you ever? Did you? I'm sure you're too young for uh, River Country. Did you ever hit River Country? In I did not, Disney? but I know all about it. River Country is still my favorite amusement anything I've ever been to. Oh, you lucky dog. Yeah, it was. What was River Country? River Country was just they built a water park into like a little chunk of the river in Orlando at Disney. And it uh-huh. was, I don't know, it was just cool. It like felt like it was like built out of like old, like, I don't know, like logging equipment and shit and like right. it felt a little tetanusy but I, okay. I loved that shit call me tetanusy william <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think we just end the podcast and it's <laughs> entirely I'm gone. at this point later folks dealing with a lot right now but that's it oh <laughs> uh, shit i wish i would have gone yeah I'm it's so jealous it was dope i don't know if it was dope or it just hit me at the right time, I think I went when I was like eight or nine. Mm, and yeah. Yeah. Hit that and Typhoon Lagoon in consecutive days. And Tennessee. 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 <laughs> Tennessee. <laughs> well, Carly, it's been such a pleasure uh, having you on oh. the Daily Zeitgeist. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. This was a, a wonderful morning. Yes. <laughs> yes. We did it all. We covered the whole spectrum. Of yeah. Seriously. Today, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> Where can people find you and follow you? Uh, you can find me at Carly Wiesel on Twitter and Instagram or my podcast, Very Amusing with Carly Wiesel. Anywhere they sell podcasts, which are free. So just honestly, nobody has my name. So if you type in my name, everything will come up. Yeah, yeah. And we are spelling that name C-R-L-Y-E-W-I-S-E-L. Yeah. F-Y-I. Yeah. I mean, it was annoying growing up that no one could pronounce my name. But now, like... Every Google result is me. Yeah. It's kind of nice. No, yeah. You know, yeah. There you go. Not like I'm Googling myself a lot. I, I work in a field of bylines. Yeah. So. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, that's fine. We all do it. Yeah. I have Google alerts for, for friends who I hope they'll be written about. And I always say, hey, bro, so you're still not popping up on Google. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, these days, it's the only way I know my stuff is goes live. Yeah. Right, right. There you go. <laughs> yeah. But your parents nailed it with you know, search engine optimization with the Thank story you. Yeah, I was named name. for the most popular girl in my mom's high school and it ended up being a Google dream. Yeah. Yeah, look mm. at that. 
And Aww. it's also a combination friends? of uh, Carl and Ye, Carl Sagan yeah. and Kanye. So Yeah, you're right. <laughs> My two heroes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a tweet or some of the work of uh, social media you've been enjoying? Yes. Um, I'm torn between two, but I think my favorite is this tweet by Krill Tusk. And it says, smash that motherfucking like if you love the worm part of the bus. And it's a photo of the part that joins the two parts of the bus together. Oh, it's so sneaky. Yeah. I loved it because nobody, it's one of those things that nobody talks about that I always try to go there because it feels a little bit like a ride. And it was just nice to see it pop up in my feed and be represented. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so funny. And like, Growing up in Japan, I, I would go to like in the middle of the train cars for that same experience. Yes. I'm like, this is where the shit moves. And I, my mom would regularly be like, get the fuck out of there. This isn't a ride. And now as an adult, I like, I do it from time to time or like in the New York subway. I'll find myself levitating towards that. I'm like, yeah, I can kind of handle this right now. I like to go no hands because it makes me feel I moved to LA from New York. So it makes me feel like I still have it. Yeah. Oh, you know what's the best though? Any for subway riding culture? is going hands-free when it's breaking to be like, watch me watch me finesse the stop and take off of the subway car without grabbing the little handrail. Uh-huh, you just I gotta lean the other way. It's like skateboarding like, ah, in air. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And people, native New Yorkers, love when you do that. Just oh, a little, yeah. <laughs> little tip. Oh, yeah. I'll do it with my backpack Everybody on, get out of the way. <laughs> my big-ass backpack on my back, not taking it off, and then like ending up pushing like an MTA worker and they ask me yeah. if... I'm trying to get smacked. Uh, Miles, where can people find you? What's the tweet you've been enjoying? Oh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray. And also the other show, 420 Day Fiance, uh, where I talk 90 Day Fiance with Sophia Alexandra. Um, let's see. Man, I don't even know. It's a fucking tweet I even like these days. How about this one from at Arson Doer? Tweeted, if smoking's so bad, why does it cure salmon? There Thank you. Go. you. Thank you. Uh, and another one from Abby Govindan at Abby Gov, G-O-V, tweeted, quote, I'm an empath, the worst person you have ever met. Okay. <laughs> well, that tracks sometimes. Yep. Yerp. Let's see. Ranch on pizza tweeted a bidet, but for your teeth after eating popcorn, which <laughs> while we're inventing shit, that's a good one. A water pick? It's like a water pick, but I feel like. I mean, you know. for someone in my line of work, I could use that. Hell yeah. yeah. Like a little portable Or like a mouthpiece, right? Or yeah. a mouthpiece you put yeah. in and it just, you do something and it just goes, and yeah. then you're like, there, there you go. Yeah. Good. Mouth bidet. There you go. And then that mom, though, tweeted, hello, darkness, my old friend. Is it 5 or 10 p.m.? Because uh, <laughs> this daylight saving shit is fucking me up. Uh, Still, huh? Yeah, man. I don't know. Not you? Are you just adjusted to the new sunlight? Like it's nothing? It's weird. I was doing it it very suddenly hit me like two days ago where I was like, oh shit, I'm my circadian rhythm's back in line with like what the clock says normally versus like me being like, what the fuck am I doing right now? Yeah. Wow. I just get very Uh, sad every day at four o'clock being like, I got nothing done. And then I'm like, oh, the sun stole time away from me. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 And also, you're like, why do I keep beating myself for not getting anything done in accordance with the sun? Like some <laughs> yeoman farmer. Yeah. 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. Footnote. Where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song that we think you might enjoy. Miles, what song do we think they might enjoy? I mean, I've been, I've been listening to a lot of funk, P-H-O-N-K, which I'm not going to lie, TikTok got me kind of more interested in this musical genre where they take an 808 cowbell and detune it. If you hear the style of music, you're like, I know this kind of track. But the producers are really good, and I'm just like, I don't know, sonically, I'm really starting to gravitate towards it. There's just something about it that's like, a, it feels like dystopian hip-hop. And this track is called Odium, O-D-I-U-M, from last century and again the, a lot of these funk producers put x's where the vowels should go so it's l x s t c x n t u r y so check that out we're gonna go out on that all right well the daily zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app apple podcast or wherever fine podcasts are given away for free that's gonna yeah, do yep. it for us this morning but we're back this afternoon to tell you what's trending and we'll talk to you all then bye bye